folks and welcome to the august 14th dead pit podcast whatever the fuck you want to call it i'm a creepy kentucky and i'm uncle billy i don't really know you know we have all these different formats that we do these shows in now so you never know week to week it could be video it could be audio it could be you know telegram i don't even know anymore who's to say yeah tom atkins Who's to say? Um, so, yeah, we're kind of doing a, I, I guess we, um, this is our month of August podcast edition, and we've got a lot of fan questions to get to, uh, some, you know, really sad um, deaths in the last little bit in the world of horror and pro wrestling, we're going to be talking about that as well, and a lot of announcements for upcoming titles uncle bill you excited about that you pre-ordered all kinds of shit haven't you dude i've really like i don't know what it is i guess it's just being inside all the time not really anything else to do but i've really gone insane with ordering blu-ray yeah well ever since uh i got into the 4k format and all that shit too Right, and there's still like um, I think the latest trend too with with Blu-rays is they're just releasing everything in like a set too. So I saw one yeah. that's coming out that <clears throat> is, you know, it's a pretty good pickup really because I don't have any of these movies aside from one. It's a Stephen King five movie collection in one, um, you know, one deep one Blu-ray case. So you got. Uh, and I, don't, I think I have Pet Cemetery, the original, uh, and it comes with the uh, Pet Cemetery, the remake, which sucks ass. Jesus Christ! Did we I don't ever even talk, talk about, about that? that movie ever again? Jesus! I think we talked about that. I can't remember, but it's terrible. We did briefly, yeah, but it's fucking awful. I agree. Um, but you got Silver Bullet, the Dead Zone, and the Stand. Um, so, and it's a, it's. I'm thinking that. They've got it on Amazon for like under thirty bucks or something like that, so it's really fairly priced. I think it's twenty, yeah, twenty seven ninety nine. So, and that's the trend with Blu-ray. It's gotten, yeah, it's gotten to the point where you can get like Blu-rays fairly cheap now, and even like sets of Blu-rays cheap. Like I was saw one, uh, it was the Nightmare on Elm Street Blu-ray set. You know, the smaller one that comes in the just the like single package almost most right and they had that one for fucking uh, an unnamed place i shall not name had that for like 25 dollars. i'll tell you a good site to go on and i kind of check it um on a semi-regular basis it's blu-ray.com they've got like a price tracker on there for uh, uh walmart best buy and uh amazon 
So, and they yeah. update it like hourly, it seems like. So you can get some crazy deals on there. I got the Jaws 4K set for $10 on there. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of other ones. I think the, I was not, they, they did make, this isn't horror or anything. They made the announcement of the um, Back to the Future in 4K, this uh, box set. And they had that for a couple of days for like $42 or something. So you can find some really good deals on there as well on the Blu-ray I mean, there are just some movies like that where you know that they're going to benefit from 4K, and that would probably be one of them, or a whole series of movies in that case. Right, right. Especially, like, the first two. Like, I've not been a... I mean, I haven't seen the Back to the Future movies, like, in quite a while. I think I bought the DVD set. I never did buy it on Blu-ray. Um but yeah, I mean the first two. I love the first two Back to the Futures. The third one, eh, I can take it or leave it. But I actually think they're all three pretty good. I mean, I kind of agree. Like, but I could watch any of the three of those movies at any time. So, um, last show that we did, uh, we were talking to the Slipster Style. He he gave us some uh, some tidbits on the. Some of the stuff that he's working on, which uh, the Tales from the Dark Side set's coming out here well, in a week or so. And yeah. he's talking about the, but there's the Vestron stuff, which I think we've both pre-ordered that stuff as well. Um, yeah, I'm actually more excited about that than anything, really. Yeah, and I was thinking like, because I've been going back through um a lot of our reviews there's not very many movies that we have not reviewed but a lot of those a lot of those vestron ones we haven't touched so i think like that might be a good series for reviews for us to do um like it's a good idea going through the i mean i was looking at some of the ones i got in there and i haven't even watched some of them fucking things like i've got layer of the white worm which i haven't watched right and I mean, I saw it when I was a kid, but I haven't watched the uh, the Blu-ray or anything. And then you got the Blood Diner, and then you got the um, uh, the, the whole Warlock collection I've got in there, which I haven't watched in fucking movies since I was probably a teenager. I'd be willing I to mean, watch the first Warlock movie. <laughs> I don't think I'd go through those sequels, though. I would watch the first Warlock movie, but I don't know if I would go through those sequels. That's just how I am, though. Like, if... <laughs> If it's something I haven't seen before, and I know I've never seen any of those sequels, I don't even think I knew they had sequels. Like, I've got to watch them. Right. But, yeah, I mean, and they got... Just to see how shitty they are. Um, you know, Little Monsters and um, uh, Shivers is coming out, too, which neither one of those we've ever reviewed. Like, I w- I've been going through stuff, though, and I'm at work. I, went, I finally went back to work, physically went back there, um, so I'm using a lot of that downtime to, because, okay, I haven't talked to you about this, but I am convinced that a lot of YouTubers success, people that's got a lot of, uh, subscribers and shit like that, they have manipulated the system in some way. I can, I, because I watch some of this shit. There's no fucking way these people, um, have have gotten YouTube success and hits and bullshit like that from being like uh, good reviewers or whatever. It's some sort. Of, so I've been going through like um, optimization options and shit like that, and I've been going through some of the yeah. re- review stuff that we've done. And dude, we have reviewed so much shit on there. 
I couldn't imagine if we would went through, if we have like a archive of the movies we reviewed on the pod, on the, on the radio show back in the day. I know there's not much stuff that we haven't reviewed. All you got to do is just go on the dead pit YouTube page and just type a movie in. So, but I did notice that a lot of that Vestron stuff, I think we reviewed blood diner on there, but a lot of that other stuff, like, um, slaughter high, I think we did review, but it's not on there. Like didn't lines gate do a, they did a shitty, like, then they say, am I just thinking of something else? But when that DVD came out, did they, it was mastered from a VHS or something. And they'd said that, uh, that the, the uh, film elements were missing or destroyed or something like that. I think that's when we reviewed. Are you Sla- talking about Blood Diner? No, Slaughter High when we reviewed it for the first time. Yeah, you talking about Blood Diner though, right? No, Slaughter High. Can you hear me? Uh, oh fuck! Okay. It- yeah, the phone's cutting in, like, some in and out somewhat. Oh, okay. No, I was talking about uh, Slaughter High, not Blood Diner. The the George Dugdale film from the Yeah, when 80s. Lionsgate released that shit, when they released that shit, they had this whole thing where, like, that there was, uh, just like you said, like, that there was all this uncensored footage or whatever that had gone missing, and, like, they couldn't find the, the print of it or anything like that. And then right. I know that movie has come out from at least... Two different companies, because fucking, uh, it was either uh, Scorpion or Vinegar Syndrome released it, and then I think Vestron released it, and it's like, it's it's complete in both those versions. Yeah, and um, I've got, like I said, they, a lot of the newer stuff that they've done, like, I don't know if we've ever reviewed Maximum Overdrive. That would be another one that would be a good Halloween type of review to do around that time. And then a lot of the newer stuff, um, well, Maximum Overdrive was the last new one that came out since these two that's coming out here next month or so. So that might be something that we could do down the line there. Uh, Halloween season is quickly approaching. Do you have Maximum Overdrive, the Vestron one? I do not, but uh, I've heard good things about it, and I may pick it up. I've got it. I'll just let you borrow it. (laughs) Okay. That'll work, but, uh, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff, uh, still coming out. I'd actually picked up, uh, the, uh, you remember the killer kid movie, Mikey? Yes. With that kid, was he in, he was in some sort of TV series. Yeah. He was in uh, family ties, Brian Bonsale or something like that was his name. That's right. Yeah. So M MVD entertainment, which this is the first thing that I've bought from them. They're the ones that came out with that. The artwork on that's really cool. They, um, it's kind of like a VHS art and it's got stickers and shit on it and everything. So it's pretty neat. I wanted to check that one out, but, uh, I actually, uh, actually bought something of theirs for the first time too. Uh, it was, uh, God, I hadn't really ever even seen their package or anything, but it looks just like a whole VHS. It was something I'd never seen. It was called like the secret or fucking something like that. Oh God, I can't even think of the name of it now. Anyway, I haven't watched it yet. You're just buying shit. I just bought it for the packaging. Really? Oh, that looks killer. Let's get that. So um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's actually exactly what I'm doing right now. 
Well, a lot of their stuff's kind of pricey too. I They're, mean, Mikey on, I was just looking it up on Amazon right now. It's 30. I didn't pay this much for it. It's $33 and something. I think deep discount had it for like 22 bucks. So I don't know if that was a, but they've got like, um, yeah, like this, that's the thing with this one. It was really cheap. Yeah. But they've got like some pretty cool stuff. They've got the double dragon movie out. It's the MVD rewind collection is what it's called. Yep. So, split second the They're Rutger the Hauer movie that of, that's one uh, that you love back in the day. This is the one I was thinking of though. I don't know why I said the secret. It's called like Head Games. Uh huh. And I don't know. It looks like one of those crazy like psychological kind of like the stepfather or something like that came out during that time period. Right. Huh. Okay. Um. So yeah. Um. A lot of stuff coming out, though. We talk about that all the time. Some Something I wanted to mention on here real quick, though. I mean, there's a couple people passed away since the last show that we did. Um, John Saxon, man, like, he is one that I definitely wanted to mention because I don't know if you had ever crossed paths with him at a convention, but I don't remember ever being at the same convention John Saxon was at. Never got to meet him. Never got to interview him. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that was a, that was kind of a shocker. I didn't know, I don't know exactly what happened with him. He was a little bit up there in age, but you know, I don't know what happened to him. Do you ever remember though, being at a convention where he was there? Cause I'm, I don't think I remember that. No, I don't think so. Uh, I don't remember. I don't know. It seems like he did a lot of conventions, which is weird. But we had never seen him. I know he did Cinema Wasteland quite a bit, so that may be the reason why we think, hey, did he live in like Ohio or somewhere like that? Am I thinking of somebody else? I, I honestly don't know. Like, I know he did a lot of conventions around that area, like the Midwest kind of area there. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, he had passed away, I guess. Uh, but we were talking about this earlier, like, yeah, go ahead. The fact that like everything that I that I saw his um you know, his obituary at, like they would always list Enter the Dragon and Nightmare on Elm Street, which I guess are the two films he's most known for, but if you really like pull that guy's, you know, filmography up, he's been in I bet a hundred movies and probably a ton more exploitation horror movies than people realize. Yeah, I mean he was um he was in a lot of Italian movies back in the day too, so a lot of people really don't. It's uh, he was in the Cannibal, which I'm not uh, Steve would be the one to talk about that. I think it's Cannibal Apocalypse was one that he did yeah. early back in the day and let's see here cuz we were debating which Argento movie it was. I get these confused. It was actually Tenebre was the one that he was in. Tenebre. You say Tenebre, I say Tenebre. Yeah. <laughs> For some reason, like the, that one, Opera and Inferno, I always get like mixed up in terms of like what the plot is exactly, who's in it. Like they all seem like basically the same fucking movie. Mm -hmm. Like I don't know. He was. They're shot the same, but like, I, I don't. It, yeah, he was also in a Mario Bava movie, The Girl Who Knew Too Much, uh, from nineteen sixty three. I. I think I've seen that, but again, it's 
I think I've got a Bava box set that's got that on and on DVD. Um, but it's been a while. But he's, I mean, he the guy's been in movies since, what, the early 60s? So, and he was in... At least, yeah. He was in at least two or three Nightmare on Elm Street movies as well, playing, you know, reprising the uh, Nancy's dad in that one. So, I mean, uh, let's see, how old was he? I had heard stories about him, though. I don't know if this has anything to do with, like, I don't, I don't know what the cause of death is, but I'd heard, and I, I don't remember who told me this, but that, like, in some of the later conventions that he did, people would go up to him and they would ask him, and he really couldn't remember, like, anything about like, really knew him for. Like, yeah. I don't know if that was just, it could be a million different things. Well, he, he you know was... I mean? He was like, older than you would think. He was 83, so I didn't realize he was that old. So um, I'm not really sure if he was how long ago he had done conventions or anything like that. He was also in, uh, I forgot about this, he was in From Dust Till Dawn as well. So, yeah, a lot of people, yeah, that's what it said. I don't think it was very long. He was in it for very long. He was, had a small role. And he was playing himself in New Nightmare. So that's probably the, the two one, like some of the later movies that he did. And then you didn't see much else from him. So Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you kind of got to admit, like, he was perfect for Nightmare on Elm Street to be that, in that role. Yeah. he. I, I always thought he was a pretty good actor, even though he was mainly in, you know, B-horror movies and stuff like that. Um, he played a good straight, he was like a good straight character. You know what I'm saying? Played a good, he was yeah. a good police officer. So. <laughs> he was somebody that, there's just certain people that have that look and he was definitely one of them. I didn't, I'll, I'll be honest with you, like I've seen you know the Dragon probably a dozen times. I never really could like buy him in that role because he's doing a lot of martial arts in it, but it just doesn't look, you know, natural. And not only that, but he's kind of playing the the counterpoint to Bruce Lee, but him doing it, and then Bruce Lee doing it. You know, it's like you can see there's so much discrepancy between the two right. that it's not. It wasn't the greatest idea. Well, him and the other guy that's in it that's doing it. Like, I I don't know. I feel like they should have picked some people that were actually closer to his expertise, like than those guys. So, um, another one that passed away, which, and I hate to be uh, a little bit, I don't know if it's morbid or what, but I had, for some reason, I had thought that he had already passed away, Um, and that would be the Ugandan giant Kamala, Uncle Bill. He had passed away earlier this week as well. I think it's because, like, he had been so sick, and you didn't... Like, the last thing I remember hearing about him was the thing about him losing a leg. And then I don't remember hearing anything else. So. Right. He was, he had lost, I think he had lost both legs. Last I'd heard. Did he lose both legs? Mm -hmm. God. Well, not at the same time. He lost one and then, like, I don't know if it was a year or two later, he had to get the other one. But uh, I think he's one of the big, like, unsung hero, like, wrestling legends i think i mean that gimmick that's one of the best gimmicks of all time i would think because 
Kamala, like, okay, you take all that stuff off of him and he's just like a fat black guy. <laughs> and he can't really wrestle. I mean, I don't want to be disrespectful, but that's the truth. Like, he's not the, he was not a very good wrestler, but you give him that gimmick. He's a big old son of a bitch. Put that makeup on him, man. And it works, you know, and he was, he was a strong son of a bitch too. Um, yeah. Which I was telling, I was actually talking to Jared the other day, our other buddy that likes wrestling. Look this up on YouTube. Uh, Kamala body slams Andre the Giant. This was before. Yeah, had, like, that was one of the feuds that I kind of remember from going back and watching. Like, and I think it was 84, they had some sort of a kind of like program going at that time. Yeah, it was, um, I think it was in Mid South, like Bill Watts early early mid 80s something like that and um man yeah. he body slammed andre like it wasn't nothing i mean that was what's so crazy Dude. it was it was a legit you body slam like, too i never really thought about this but like go back and watch some of those matches with him he was like he had to be between six five and six nine well they built him at six foot eight i don't know if he was that that tall or not but he was a big guy he was yeah. next to andre he was he was pretty close you know yeah and the look of kamala too like with the face paint and he's got the stars and the moon painted on his belly and stuff he just to me like i know it was like a colorful kind of a character or whatever but that was um i don't know that gimmick was just so great i think jerry lawler was the one that came up with that gimmick um, in Tennessee back in, back in the day, because he was, I think he, he was using like a gimmick, like sugar bear Harris, where he was just basically, you know, just wearing regular tights. And, but the funny thing about Kamala too, is, is he never really spoke or anything. He just kind of moaned. He was like, <laughs> and that was the best part, yeah. you know, and, uh, but if you go and watch, like he did a lot of shoot interviews and stuff like that, you can see how Kamala really spoke and. He was just a redneck guy from Tennessee, or no? Was he from? I don't know. If, I think he was from Mississippi, actually. I think you're right. Yeah. But um, man, that just sucked because Kamala really was like, even when I was a kid, he was one of the first like heel wrestlers that I kind of enjoyed. Um, but yeah, I mean that because it was kind of like the, in the same way, like um, it's kind of a less silly more menacing version of like Papa Shango. Like, you know what I mean? Like it had the same kind of vibe to it. And he actually feuded with, uh, I remember the time it had to be the mid eighties when he was feuding with Hogan. Like that was the biggest right. part of my childhood really was around that time that he was, he had like at least a year long feud with him. Oh yeah. I mean, they had, and the thing is, it's like, he'd always said too in interviews that, Vince didn't ever really give him a proper payoff for a lot of those big matches, like the ones that he had with Hogan and he had the big match, uh, you know, the big feud with the undertaker back in the mid nineties. Um, I don't know how accurate that is or not. And I'll tell you something else that pissed me off. Like it's another case of one of those guys that he should have already been in the hall of fame. He should have been able to go up there and take the acceptance speech, you know, give the acceptance speech and all that, but it didn't happen, you know? So, which, I mean, I mean, if you look at the fuckers they put in the hall of fame, 
I mean, Coco Beware got in there before him. Yeah. As far as the – there's still guys like Bam Bam Bigelow's never put in the Hall of Fame either. You know, uh, Vader, he was another one that should have been put in before he passed away. He definitely should have. Yeah. So, um, as far as big man wrestlers, Vader, uh, Bam Bam Bigelow, Kamala, all those guys. So, another funny segment you can look up with, uh, you remember when they were, the only time they'd ever tried to turn Kamala baby faces when they put him with Slick. <laughs> do you remember I do remember, I do remember that. Yeah. So, there's a segment you can go on. I think WWE put it up. It must have been on like one of those shows like superstars or wrestling challenge or whatever it's when it's, it's just so, like you would think somebody made this up. This was so great. There's a segment with Lord Alfred Hayes, slick and Kamala at a bowling alley. <laughs> and you know, it's like the thing is they're trying to make, um, Kamala, you know, you're a man, Kamala. We're going to teach you how to do, you know, manly things or whatever. So you can, and Slick was showing him how to bowl. And some of the looks and the moans and shit that Kamala did, and that, that was just the awesomest shit ever. And Kamala had his own bowling ball that had the moon and the stars and stuff painted on it like it was on his belly. <laughs> I've never seen that. That's bound to be amazing. It's really, yeah. It was just so great. I, remember, um, I, I don't remember if it was Survivor Series or SummerSlam when he... Uh, was going against the Undertaker. Didn't he have like a coffin match that had the moon and the stars and shit on the coffin? Yeah, they had like a big pine box made for him and had. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, that was some memorable shit, man. Like, and the feud with Hogan. The thing with him and Hogan, they could have had Kamala at a, at a WrestleMania. He could have been one of Hogan's opponents, but I think it was in between WrestleManias. So, yeah, yeah I mean, it's sad. Kamala, uh, James Harris. Which is funny, um, Kamala Harris is going to be uh, running vice president, <laughs> but she wasn't the original Kamala Harris. No. <laughs> so. Wouldn't that be killer if that was her gimmick? She'd get up there and start smacking her belly and go, <laughs> Yeah, it's got that, she's got the Kamala theme music when she comes out. Oh, yeah. Kim comes out with her. Yeah. yeah, her handler's kimchi. <laughs> <clears throat> so yeah, uh, poor old Kamala, but uh, yeah, he's definitely has to be a future Hall of Famer. I just hate the fact that all these guys go in the Hall of Fame when they're they can't enjoy it, you know. I know, and then dumbasses get in there like, uh, yeah. But I was thinking though, when you said that though, it's amazing how many characters like that that actually were pretty solid characters came out of WWF in the eighties like that. I mean, they made tons of memorable wrestlers like that. I'm not saying that they weren't already like a lot of them were already doing the same gimmicks, mm -hmm. like, but they, they actually created a lot of things like, and the way they designed it, I think was the most impressive part. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, is it's so much different than it is now just because you didn't have so much content you had to bring out all the time. <clears throat> it just, it's fucking horrible now. Like AEW's not even that good, but it's by far the most watchable wrestling show on TV. Yeah. I mean, I gave up about, it's been about a year ago at least. 
on WWE. I just can't. I can't do it. Well, it's it's even worse at this point than it was a year ago. I mean, it's by far. I did hear something about like, um, and there's something coming out called Raw Underground, which is like a shoot fighting Raw or something like that. It's already it it comes on at ten o'clock on Raw, and it's these fake like it's not even like Brawl for All where Brawl for Brawl for All was like a legit thing. This yeah. is this is fake shoot fights, and they're in like I guess it's the performance center warehouse area, and they've got a ring set up with no ropes on it, and. Other, like, I don't know if it's trainees or whatever, are sitting on the, or they're standing on the outside of the ring apron, beating on the ring while these matches are going on. And Shane McMahon is like, yeah, you can hit him, man, yeah. And he's, like, saying this into the microphone. And (laughs) it's like people you don't know versus, like, Dolph Ziggler. And uh, it's just stupid. But why? <laughs> I don't know. Why would you have fake shoot fights? Like, well, and you've, you've got um, another thing they have now too is this new group called Retribution. I think is the name, and they look like a bunch of ninjas just running around de- destroying shit. That's all they do. Like, okay, they were in like one segment on Raw. All they did was take a brick to the perform like a, a a door in the performance center and shattered it and run off. And you don't know who they are. They just they just like high five each other and say, "Yeah, we broke shit, yeah!" And they're screaming as they run off. Yeah, I mean, why not? So, all right. I think I think it's going to have to just clear out over the next couple of years. Like wrestling's just going to have to completely clear out. And just start over. Yeah. I, to be honest with you, I don't want, like, I fast forward through most of it. I don't, you know, they, I don't know. But anyway, um, with that, we do have a lot of fan questions and stuff to get to. So we're going to take a break. We're going to recuperate a little bit from this wrestling talk and try to liven things up a little bit. Rass. See, we can only talk about wrestling and people dying for so long and you have to move on to something else. Yeah, it just gets too heavy, man. It's too depressing. So, um, what we're going to do is we're going to take a break. We're going to kick it old school because we do have a brand new episode, Uncle Bill. Can you believe this is happening in 2020? No. A, A brand new episode of Beck to the Future. And we'll be right back after this break here on DeadPit.com. Hello, everyone. I'm Adam Beck, and you're listening to Beck to the Future. This week, back in 1981, Universal Studios released the classic Academy Award-winning werewolf film, and my personal favorite, An American Werewolf in London, directed by John Landis. The film was released in 870 theaters and debuted number one, taking in 3.7 million its opening weekend. This week back in 1985, Columbia Pictures gave Ghostbusters a second theatrical run, this time playing in 990 theaters. The film opened number eight at the box office, taking in $2 million. And just to give everyone an idea of how awesome this time period was, the same weekend you had films like Back to the Future, 
Teen Wolf, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, Volunteers, Return of the Living Dead, Summer Rental, Ghostbusters, National Lampoon's European Vacation, Fright Night, and Rambo First Blood Part 2, all playing in theaters at the exact same time. Besides those films, you also had the remake of the Japanese classic Gojira, aka Godzilla 1985, which was released by New World, opening in 235 theaters that weekend. Because of its limited release and small marketing campaign, the film fell off the radar and took in only $509,000 that weekend. In 1986, a coked up Toby Hooper got together with makeup effects legend Tom Savini to direct a sequel to one of the greatest and most influential horror films of all time, The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Texas Chainsaw Massacre Part 2 was released by Canon Films in 1,474 theaters and opened number 5, taking in $2.8 million. The film would go on to gross just $8 million total at the domestic box office. I must say that this is one film that I hated for years, but over time it's grown on me, mainly due to the awesome performance by the late character actor Jim Seidel. In 1988, New Line Cinema released one of my personal favorite entries in the Nightmare on Elm Street series. A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4, The Dream Master, was released in 1,765 theaters and opened number one, taking in $12.8 million. In other films released this week in 1990, Universal Studios released the awesome Sam Raimi film Darkman, which opened number one, taking in $8 million. In 1996, New Line Cinema released the fourth remake in The Island of Dr. Moreau, which opened number one, taking in $9.1 million. The following year, Miramax released Guillermo del Toro's sci-fi horror film Mimic, which opened number four, taking in $7.8 million. In 1998, New Line Cinema released the Marvel comic film adaptation of Blade, which opened number one, taking in $17 million. Feeling guilty for releasing such a huge piece of shit in the Matthew Broderick Godzilla remake a year before, Sony tried to make amends with the hardcore fans and released Godzilla 2000 this week back in 1999. The film opened in 2,111 theaters and debuted number 11 at the box office, taking in a disappointing $4.4 million. Moving on, in 2000, New Line released The Cell, which opened number one, taking in $17.5 million. In 2004, Warner Brothers released the horrible prequel, Exorcist The Beginning, which also opened number one, taking in $18 million. And finally, in 2007, Warner Brothers released the third remake in the Invasion of the Body Snatchers, this time cleverly titled The Invasion. The sci-fi thriller opened number five at the weekend box office, taking in just $5.9 million. I'm Adam Beck, and this has been Beck to the Future for the week of August 17th. So, you think you're untouchable? Word life! This is basic thugonomics! Alright folks, welcome back to deadpit.com, the Dead Pit Podcast, whatever the hell you want to call it. And yeah. uh, we want to get this trending uh, today. It's hashtag asshole poison. <laughs> yeah, that's our, uh, that's our new theme. Yeah, we want to have a new Show. song. Asshole poison. Asshole poison tonight. So, 
um, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. A new episode of Back to the Future in 2020. Hope everybody enjoyed that. So um, we do have a lot of fan questions to get to, and that's mainly what we're going to talk about on this show. And then we'll wrap it up, Uncle Bill. How's that sound? It sounds delicious. we got a lot of shit to talk about on here, a lot of questions. So we're going to dig in. Uh, Aaron White. What new music have you been listening to? Where do you discover new music? Uncle Bill. Okay. So here's the thing with me. I have to listen to all of the stuff that Savannah listens to because she listens to it. And I also have to listen to all the stuff that my kids listen to. So that's the only exposure that I really have to like any new music. So I've been listening to a lot of Jason Isbell. Well, there ain't nothing wrong with that. I've been listening to a lot of uh, fucking Connor Oberst, which makes me want to kill myself. Yeah, I've I've heard her talk Who about does? that guy quite a bit, but I've I've never really listened to him. So yeah, I don't. Believe him. And for some reason, she's gotten onto like a uh, what's that chick's name uh, Lana Del Rey kick. So I've had to hear like that shit, which. <laughs> I'm not. Familiar. I know. I've heard the name, but I don't know what. If it's on the radio, I've probably heard it. But oh god! But now, in terms of me sitting down and being like, oh, I want to listen to some metal or like punk or something from now, I just don't do that. I just don't really do it. Um, I mean, I like I've got a a lot of music that I listen to on um, my brother-in-law's got Spotify. Uh, spotify prime or premium or whatever it is the paid version of spotify so you can listen to pretty much whatever the hell you want to on there it's kind of like uh, uh the uh, apple one that's out they have everything on there really yeah um so they the way it works is i guess it is whatever you listen to the most it'll create a playlist for you of similar shit so i'll find people that way or a lot of artists that I like will post on Instagram or whatever. Um, hey, check this out. That's a good. So, um, like for instance, like Jason is what you were talking about. That's probably one of my favorites as well. So if he posts something about, uh, Bonavir, I don't know if you've heard of them. They're like a folk. I'm just giving them an example. So I'll listen to them and yeah. check them out. I mean, that, sometimes I like it. Sometimes I won't, um, uh, and uh, I find music that way, but I mean, I don't, I don't actively seek it out. I don't guess. No, I mean, I don't either. Really, I got the Apple, uh, whatever it is, the paid version of Apple now. Yeah. Apple Play, whatever. And uh, it kind of does the same thing, so I'll kind of sometimes be able to do that too. But I, then again, I don't know what I'm listening to because I'm I'm usually at work and I'm not paying attention to what the songs are coming up. Now, sometimes some stuff will catch my attention, but it's very, very rare. I've been getting into uh, Amanda Shire's stuff, too. That's Jason Isbell's wife. I've never really listened to a lot of her stuff until, well, I've listened to it, but not, I think I've got one album of hers or something. Her stuff is actually pretty good. It's different, you know. She's got a unique voice. But uh, as far as. Yeah, she does. I mean, I I got no problem with that kind of style of music now because it's actually that style has gotten a lot more popular over the years i don't know what how would you even classify what that shit is by the way 
I don't know. I, like, cause some of it's straight rock and roll, and then some of it's like, I don't know. It's weird. Like, I always say it's like uh, alt country is a good way to, it's like alternative country, I guess is what it means. Or you could say Americana. I don't know, but it, I don't know what you would classify it as. When you said that, though, it did remind me of like one of the only albums that I've listened to. And this is only because dad actually had this album over there and he was playing it one night and it actually blew me away because I had never really, not for a long time had I heard an album that was completely different than anything else, but it was that last uh, Sturgill Simpson album. Yeah. I'm trying to think, The Sound and the Fury, I think was the name of it. Yeah, that was one that he did for, I don't know if the movie ever came out. It's a soundtrack to some movie that he directed. Yeah, it was on Netflix. I can't remember what the fucking movie was. It's like an anime movie or something, yeah. Yeah. But that's an amazing album, by the way. Well, I need to re-listen to it, because I only really liked a couple songs on it the first time I listened to it. So I'll, I'll need to check that one back out. But evidently his next record is going to be just a straight bluegrass record, they said. So that guy's all over the Thank place. God. Yeah. So there's a couple, though, like um, as far as that alt-country Americana type thing that um, – Tennille Towns is one that's really good, and she's really young. I think she's still in her mid twenties. And yeah. uh, there's a lot of like good female like singers and artists and stuff. One thing I'm noticing too that I'm liking quite a bit is a lot of them are writing their own stuff, so they're they're songwriters as well. And that's that's diff- different than a lot of you know more modern country people that just you know. Blake Shelton, I fucking not shit on his fucking grave, bulls. Golly, son. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. I wouldn't like go that far. Right? I can't stand him though. He sucks. <laughs> he does. Like that's what I hate. It's like people think that I like that shit when I say that I like some country music. No. They're like, oh, you like Luke Bryan and all those fuckers, and uh... I think I, I think Luke Bryan's even worse than uh, uh, Blake Shelton. To be honest with you, he sings yeah, like do. fucking Kermit the Frog or something. So anyway, I see you band that I see a band I really like though. It's in the, that kind of old country vein though too, and I don't know if you've ever listened to them, but it's uh, called Reverend Peyton's Big Damn Band. No. Mm-mm. Oh my god, dude! I don't even know how to explain what the fuck that shit is, but you should at least like go on YouTube and look up a couple of their songs. I'll have to remember that. Well, that's a that's a quite quite a memorable name. So. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> um. But yeah, I mean. I listen to some soundtrack stuff quite a bit too. Um, uh, I don't know. Soundtracks are cool to listen to just in the background while you're doing other shit. So, new Friday the Thirteenth soundtrack. I got that on the way. It should be here. The part seven, the one that came out from Waxwork. Yeah. So, um, moving on though, Brandon Fields. What horror films? That you haven't seen, are you checking out for the month of October or Halloween? Dude, I've got so much shit in there that I've bought recently that I've never seen. And that's kind of my goal right now, by the way. When I'm buying this stuff, like I'm going with, there's two companies right now that are produced or like coming out with stuff like older movies on Blu-ray and 4K that I've, you know, that were in. I can remember being in video stores, some of them, but I never watched them. And that Scorpion releasing and the Vinegar Syndrome. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. And you got that's where you got shit like Spookies. Like we've always heard of that shit. I've never seen it, but I've got a ton of stuff like that, and I need to watch. Well, what I want to try to get now, some of this is on, I think scare packages on shutter, which I want to try to watch a lot of horror movies, um, that are centered around the Halloween holiday. So, and there's a bunch of them. So I don't know if I can see a lot of them without actually purchasing them cause they may suck. But, um, there's one called candy corn. That's like a slasher Halloween yeah. theme movie. There's two movies called there's 1031 and 1031 part two. <laughs> They're running out of, yeah, you can, um, and the witching, uh, witching season, I think is another one. So there's ones like that, that I kind of want to see. Um, and then it'll almost be like, I've never seen shivers before because it's been such a long freaking time. Like, I think that was one that we had watched. You had it on VHS tape and we had watched it probably 20 years ago or longer. So that's what I'm, that's what I'm thinking. And that like, I can barely remember it because number one, it was so shitty quality. Right. But number two, like it was like so long ago. So I'm, that's almost going to be like, I've never seen it too. Um, Herbert West, though, let's continue on here. We got a lot of shit. Um, favorite Lucio Fulci movie? God damn it. Um, that's tough because that's like asking somebody, you know, who's your favorite band? It's like there's a bunch of different bands that I like that do different things. Like mm-hmm. those movies. Zombie to me is completely different than the Beyond, and the Beyond is completely different from like House by the Cemetery, and I don't even know what the fuck where you'd put City of Living Dead in that. But if I had to pick one, and only one that I could watch like over and over and over again, I would probably go with the Beyond. It would be between the Beyond and uh, City of Living Dead for me. Like the Beyond is his epic movie. Like it's just. That's kind of his, I think. I mean, some people would probably say zombie, but I think stylistically, when you think of a Fulci movie, it's the beyond, right? But City of the Dead, man, has something. It has such a sinister tone throughout that whole movie. Like it's, it's a, I don't know. It's close. Both of those are, it'd be, that'd be definitely the top two. I'd put both of those above zombie. I mean, I love zombie as well. But it doesn't. It doesn't have that same tone. You know what I'm saying? It's not really. Yeah, zombie is just zombie is the most like structured of all his movies, right? It makes sense. It's basically just ripping off Dawn of the Dead. So it just it makes sense right. and it flows. But once you get into like those other three movies, like I think the Beyond is the most like almost like a David Lynch movie or something of the Fulci movies, and the other two are somewhere in between those two the um the soundtrack both of the soundtracks from um the beyond and uh, city of living dead's amazing too so um ben martin what are you all uh, what are your thoughts on the cha- the shangling from 1980 this, this do you one, remember the changeling yeah i mean this is one um that i know i think severin films has a blu-ray of that out that may be one that I'll pick up because 
I've seen it, but it's been such a long time. That was one that was in the infamous lot of laser discs that I got. The Shangling was in that, and that was one of them that I'd watched. And I remember really, really enjoying it. It's kind of a a slow build type ghost, you know, story. Yeah. Um, but it's been such a long time. I do need to revisit that. I think that would be a good one to watch uh, the upcoming Halloween season. Yeah, I mean, I'd say I haven't seen that movie in over 20 years, but there's two things I remember about it. Number one, like the ball going down the steps. Do you remember that scene? Yeah. And they actually have a uh, Severin right now has the, they had made a replica rubber red ball (laughs) (laughs) that that you can get in a deluxe edition. Uncle Bill, pretty big deal. If you ever wanted a little red ball that says uh, the shangling on it, you can get it. This Good, one's I think. From, uh, next one's from Donnie Aldridge, one of our favorites. What year do you think that the original Dead Pit radio show started to decline? He says, I'm thinking around 2013. Uh, let's see. 2013. 2013 was right when uh, the we stopped doing I'm those look- screenings. Right. Yeah, but that's that. That really, to me, that didn't like, like hurt the show any. Like stopping those strange things, it just really pissed both of us off. I think it it started getting harder for for me to do. Interests were other places. Yeah, you cut out there a little bit. What were you saying? I'm sorry. Like 2014 would be when I would say because that is the year that uh, Tiny was born and it got harder and harder for me to like keep up with doing that and doing everything else so well here's my here's my thought on it okay I mean of course you had less time that's for sure there's no doubt about that but I think that both of us for a long time there it was at least two years probably three years we were burnt out from doing that on a regular basis. And yeah. when, when I say doing that, I'm talking about everything, almost looking at the show like it wasn't funny more. It was a, it was a task to get through this shit, to review some of this god-awful fucking shit that, that we'd get sent to review and that people were expecting us to do interviews, uh, call-ins every week stuff like that it just got to be too much and yeah with this new you know the the way this all came together just due to covid and everything i think the cool thing about this is is we can do a show maybe once a month or do a live stream or something like that and throw some reviews and stuff out there every once in a while and kind of do stuff at our own pace we don't have to worry about doing something committed to do something every damn week you know what I'm saying? So Yeah, I was thinking, though, like for, for places that do this on a regular basis, can you imagine how much they really like have to, they grow to hate horror films? Because you can't do something like that to where before it's like a hobby and you love to do it, and then it becomes like you have to do it. Right. And after a while, you start to resent that, and it just destroys like your love of that. Because it's not meant to be something like that, you know? It's not meant to be something no. forced. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point, too, because 
it got to the point where we weren't, and I was not like I, but when we first started doing the show, I was so eager to review whatever, you know what I'm saying? But if you're expected to do that on a regular basis, it really gets difficult and you don't look at it as, as a hobby or having fun. It's just simply, Hey, I've got to get through four movie reviews in one week. So, yeah. But yeah, I mean, we really were, we, we were really stupid about all that. And a lot of these, like, I get what we were trying to do at the time when we started, but we should not have kept that format that way that long. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm Yeah. In the review. Oh, it was that way for at least, I'm thinking five years, maybe. Like almost every week there was a call-in yeah. interview. You know, we did these questions every week. So, I mean, it's a lot of, and the thing is, is the timing of it all too. Had we done this now, which, I mean, it'd be impossible as well because the people aren't as eager to in- do interviews as they were back then. But, it, you know, I mean, it's it'd be like the YouTube, you know, we was talking about the algorithms and all that shit. So yeah. it'd be even worse. You know, we'd be fucking obsessed with doing that. So anyway, yeah, I would say, I would agree with you, probably end of 2013, early 2014, we were really shot from doing it and we didn't do it very much in that final year there anyway so yeah brad parton which is better the peanut butter solution or the peanut butter falcon have you seen the peanut butter falcon i actually uh just watched it it's on uh, netflix or hulu or something now yeah i mean that's actually a really fun movie like i enjoyed the hell out of that I still think it's the peanut butter solution, though. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, there's not too many movies where a prepubescent little Asian boy would have, you know, put the solution on his balls. Uh-huh. And, you know, they would actually show the pubic hair growing down his pant leg. So that's I wonder epic. if that's a metaphor for something else. I don't know. Or if it's just like that was really, really creepy. Some bitch that directed that film. <laughs> That's just, yeah, <laughs> that movie is so weird. Like I remember even when I was a kid watching it, I thought that was weird. I honestly can't believe it's out on Blu-ray, but I need to get that Blu-ray. There's two it. different Blu-rays of it out. There's a Canadian version <laughs> yeah. and then there's the one that Severin did yeah. or vinegar. Who, which one did that vinegar syndrome? Did they do that one or Severin? I think they did. It was, okay. I, I think it was vinegar syndrome. Yeah. Um, somebody's asking about the kindred from uh, synapse films. I'm thinking they don't, they canceled that or something, right? Last I had heard anything about it in a long time. So I'm assuming that had to happen. Yeah. Because this was all the way back in like, this has probably been 15 years ago or longer. What was Uh, the last thing that they were working on before, uh, COVID and all that shit hit? Do you remember? Hot dog, the movie. I know he's working on that, but I think that came out. So I don't know if there was anything that he'd announced that they were working on. Um, Ross, Kill, I think it's Kelly or Kylie. Um, he's asking about our thoughts on Summer of 84. He said, I thought that movie was fantastic. Yeah, like I totally 100% agree with that. And... Like, not only does that movie capture the look of that time period and everything, 
because there's a lot of shows that do that too like i think stranger things does that but like it does that but then at the same time it goes completely in another direction towards the end of the movie where like it you think it's going one way and then it's like no fuck you like that's not at all what we're doing the um i saw that when it came out man summer of 84 it's i remember really loving the music in it um and it was really i mean i enjoyed it it was a you could tell it was a lower budget movie but they did a really good job with it the production on it yeah i mean not to not to give anything away about the movie but like, like let's just put it this way like with Stranger Things, you know, like where it's going, and you know, like kind of what the ending is going to be, and it's going to be like, you know, all happy, and it's just the way it is. But with that movie, like that's what you think is going to happen, and I was just like, that's the kind of movie I like. Like movies like The Mist, it's like you think, oh, this is, you know, this is what's going to happen, and then it just completely fucking does a one eighty. We got another one here from our good buddy Jacob Ennis. Remember him? Um, oh yeah yeah he's asking will you guys ever return to acting in horror movies were we ever actors really to begin with well we were we were in one of his movies and then goose's movies so (laughs) let me ask you this i mean i would never i would never consider us to be actors man well yeah i mean i wouldn't consider a lot of people in those movies to be actors anyway though so they're more like That's relatives right. or whatever. Relatives. <laughs> <laughs> sure, I'll do you movie, motherfucker. That's um, so true, though. Okay. What would you think about doing a sequel to Into the Pit, if that was ever on the table? Is this a question that he wrote, or are you asking me this? I'm just asking you this. Say, if we had some investor that wanted to throw some money, you know, production money, and say, hey, let's talk about what all has went on in the past 13 years since the filming of, of the End of the Pit movie. Um, and I was thinking, you know, it would be an interesting story just for the fact that COVID's go- uh, COVID was the reason that this came back primarily. I would say, here's what I would say. I think there's a lot, a lot bigger story to what happened with you know not to say not anything to do with what happened with the show was in like you know uh us leaving and then coming back but just about like a lot of things that were never covered in into the pit that i think are really more important than what he focused on Mm -hmm. i mean like it or hate it like there was a ton of shit about that show that was way ahead of its time and a lot of stuff that a thousand different people started doing after that we started doing it. And the fact that we're from bumfuck nowhere and like we're able to do that. I think that should have been like more of the focus, all that shit. Yeah. But Hey, shoulda, woulda, coulda, but you know, there's always a possibility of doing another one. I mean, yeah, <clears throat> it's not like we live a hundred miles from each other. So. Right. I mean, I got to go by canoe, but we'll get there. Yeah. So, um, Let's see, John Cresap. I swear to God, I wish he would like. You know how like Wikipedia has like the dummy pronunciation, like some of these names on here. Yeah. Anyway, 
What do you guys think overall of Rob Zombie in 2020? Yeah! Uh, that's a good question, actually. Well, you go first. I don't have to think about all this shit real quick. Well, we were talking about Dead Pit in 2014. That's what I think of Rob Zombie in 2020. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn. So, there you go. Is he saying, like, in terms of, like, what do we think now, like, so many years after we, you know, did the original shows about him? Or is he saying, like, what do you think about him as how is he doing in 2020? Because if it's about, like, the shit that he's making now, then it's absolutely some of the worst stuff imaginable. Yeah, I mean, I, it, I just don't have the heart to watch Three From Hell. Because Sarah's been it, pretty good lately, like with watching a lot of this stuff, like we watched the lodge and we watched the Ari Aster movies and stuff like that. And I don't want to introduce that. Sh you know, I, it's like putting a turd in a punch bowl. You know what I'm saying? It is. Yeah. I, uh, I don't think, and I've gone back a couple of times and rewatched like the Halloween movies and things like that. And I don't think that it's changed my opinion on the quality of those movies. I think, if anything, though, I liked some of the stuff that he did around that time that we really weren't paying that much attention to, like um, Lords of Salem. I like that film more than uh, a, a lot one. of people seem to. That was probably his last really good movie. I wouldn't mind and going I mean, back and rewatching that, actually. Yeah, I mean, he's got some talent, and he does some really like good stuff when he's not. seems like when he's not backed by a studio or something like that. But I don't know what's happened to him in the last, I would say, five or six years. But the last three films that he's put out were just garbage, man. Like, I don't know how else to say it, really. It's almost sad, though, that he went back to, you know, the Devil's Rejects and stuff like that. Because any person in, like, their right mind watched the end of the Devil's Rejects. There's no fucking way those people survived that. <laughs> Yeah, so. and in the you haven't seen it, have you? No, I don't know if I'll ever watch it. I, I mean, I would probably tell you not to. You're not missing anything, but they give really no explanation as to how any of that was to have happened either. It's just an awful movie. Like, and so was uh, Thirty One, and so was what was the fucking other one he did? Um, in between all that shit. I don't know. Oh God, he's done so much shit. Yeah, but they're all bad. So, um, let's see. Don Belleville, he says, John Grande and I are doing a commentary for Joyride on the Grande's Graveyard. I guess that's a podcast he's got. I didn't know about that. I'll check that out. Um, he says, Joyride is one of my biggest guilty pleasures. What are some of y'all's guilty pleasure horror films? That's a good, good one. I actually like Joyride as well. I think that one's kind of underrated. <laughs> Well, like I was telling you earlier, like it's all got to do with sequels, really. Like I, I tend to really enjoy really bad sequels, and especially like ones that people don't are not that common. For instance, like I like all the Wrong Turn movies. Like, well, I won't say all of them, but like I enjoy like stupid, mindless kind of sequels like that. Right. So, it'd probably be something like that. Um, one of my biggest ones is The Rage Carry Two. Yeah, I like that. I don't. I can't even explain it, but I've watched that movie. I don't know how many times. Screen Factory has like a a Blu-ray of it out. 
Really enjoyed that one. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of a sucker for, like, the really stupid sequels as well, like the Amityville Haunted Lamp, Amityville movie mm. and stuff like that, too. So, i tell you something else, too, that I always kind of like, and I feel bad about saying this, but this is definitely a guilty pleasure. Like, you know those 90s-stylistic, like, almost like Disney movie horror films that came out, like um, uh, The Worst Witch, When right. My Boyfriend's Back, yeah, and... Uh, Shit like that, I always like. Um, let's see. Ross, Kylie, Killy. Did we? I don't think we've answered this question. What is your favorite horror movie or movies from the past five years? We did have a similar question to that, though, didn't we? Like, not too long ago? Maybe we did. I'll just real quickly, like, um, I would say... Of recent, the one that really stuck with me quite a bit was Midsummer. Um, and I don't even know if that's a. I guess it kind of is a horror movie. Have you never you haven't seen that yet? Have you? No, never. Okay, have. that one really stuck with me quite a bit. Um, I don't know. I've just recently started getting back into these and watching them on a semi regular basis. So as far as newer movies go, I don't know. Like. Midsummer's really good. I enjoyed The Lodge quite a bit as well, which I reviewed that just the other day. So I enjoyed The Lodge a lot too. I'll be honest with you, man. Like I'm sitting here trying to figure out like what movies come out, horror films come out between 2015 and 2020. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you've got uh, everybody. Let's, let's, was, hold on, I'll look this. Uh, I'll look this shit up. And we'll discuss it. Yeah, I was. Uh, I'll Anything that a lot of people, like, I'm always drawn to the movies that people comment a lot on because there's a reason, evidently, they're going on about it. Like, Midsummer was one of them. I knew I had to watch that. Yeah. Um, but there was one a couple of years ago that came out called, um, oh, God, well, The Terrifier that everybody was fucking talking about. Which I Have you seen that yet? I bought it, yeah. I mean, I kind of get it. But like, it's not a very good movie. I don't think. I mean, Man, it's it's, I it's got uh, some good gore sequences and stuff like that in it. But I mean, it's not a good movie, as in like the fucking storyline. It's almost like Maniac or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't. Yeah. There's no, there's no real plot holding that together. It's just a bunch of like set pieces and gore. Right. But I fucking love that movie. I was actually kind of excited. I mean, it's not like I hated it, but it was like one of those movies where I just didn't really get why everybody was going on about it. You know what I'm saying? I kind of get it. I think it's just the clown. Like, people love a good clown killer movie. Yeah. All right, let me ask you about a couple of these, because these are movies from 2015 on, okay? Okay. (laughs) This is so fucking great. Uh, all right, I think we're back. We're recording now. We got uh, Uncle Bill on a landline. What the hell were we even talking about now? I don't even remember. Oh, movies of 2016. Oh, okay. You were getting ready to go through them there, and you just completely cut out. So. I know. All it, right. Anyway, yeah, just uh, go through a couple of them there and say I probably haven't seen any of them. So. All right, so. 2015, literally the only movies that really came out were Insidious Chapter 3. I did, uh, I did see that. Did, uh, 
the Poltergeist remake. Yeah. Minister 2 and The Witch. That's about it. I still haven't seen The Witch, um, but I have seen the Poltergeist remakes. Fucking terrible. And um, what was the first one? You, uh, Insidious 3? Yeah. I think I did see that. I think it's a little bit better than the second one, but still not very good. And then, like, 2016 and on, Jesus Christ, there was nothing coming out. I mean, nothing. Yeah. So. Phantasm Ravagers. <laughs> this shit's bad. Yeah. We should probably move on. Okay. Yeah, we can go on. We've got a couple more questions here. Um, let's see. Bradley Taylor. He's got a lot of questions here. This one's pretty good. Which doll is uglier, Glenn from Seed of Chucky or the fake Chucky from the Child's Play remake? Oh, fuck. I think probably the Chucky from the Child's Play remake. I don't even know how to describe what that looked like. I don't know, man. I, I think Glenn was pretty fucking ugly, too. He was. That movie was almost as bad as the Child's Play remake, too. Seed of Chucky was terrible. It was. Have you ever said what? Did you see that? Oh, the Child's Play remake? Yeah. Yeah, I did a review on that one as well. I, I was totally confused at why so many people wanted wanted to hear what I thought about that one. Because that one won like a poll. People wanted me to review that. Yeah. Oh, man. That movie was... I can't eat it. Shitty would be an understatement for that one. <laughs> That was just a, a complete uh, waste of time, I think. I mean, some people, I, I don't, that's one of the times, like, when you, you know, when you say, I get why somebody like, I don't get why anybody like that. I really don't. There's only one, the, the one part of the movie that kind of gave me a a chuckle here and there was that, the the little song that, uh, that Chucky sung. Like, that was pretty funny the first time, but. Yeah, there's just. I don't know, man. Like they took it in a completely different direction, and just like when they, when they try to do that, it, it it's the same movie with the same kind of premise and everything else. But like the way that Chucky is explained is completely different, and it's not different enough to be good. It's just different enough to be really creepy, and not in a good way. Uh, let's see here. Here's a good question from Chris Smith. I'm going through a couple of these questions, but we've been going kind of long. So um, the, I wanted to mention here that we do have a deadpit.com fans group on uh, Facebook now where it's a little bit more interactive, similar to the message board back in the day. Um, so he asked this one on here. Chris Smith says, have Mrs. Creepy or Aunt Bill watched Into the Pit yet? Uh, when will they, or what did they think of it? I think that she may have watched that years ago, but I mean, I've never like asked her to watch. That'd be really fucking weird. I would think 
just be like, hey, here's this movie I'm in. You want to watch this shit? I'm fucking I always thought that, too. Yeah. <laughs> Sarah didn't even really know about the movie up until probably last year. <clears throat> and she thought that was very odd that somebody would want to make a movie about us. <laughs> yeah, I, was like, I mean, really? I they like, came. Where'd they come from? Wisconsin. I still, I still can't figure that out. Really, like when I think about it. But it happened. Um. But no, to my knowledge, I don't. I think Savannah may have watched it on her own, but it was never something that we watched together, and never something I ever brought up. I'll put it that way. Yeah, so, and I've been debating, like, since we are doing a show again, doing something into the pit related, uh, just because it kind of makes sense. We never did do a commentary over it, um, you know. That would be awesome, yeah, to do a commentary over that film. Because we haven't seen it since it came out. I've not watched it again, I don't know about you. I think that would be a good one to do, get together and do a commentary over you're right so a lot of stuff we can talk about yeah i mean it was a fun experience making the movie too like a lot of people think that i'm just totally dogging the shit out of it and everything i just think like i think my whole gripe with it is just the way that they kind of went with it and even it kind of maximized that just the fact that it didn't really get picked up and I don't know. I think had they went a different way with it, it probably would have gotten pick, picked up by somebody. Because it, it's not like there was a shortage of uh, studios back in that time. Sure. <laughs> could have got Subversive Cinema or one of them fucking Subrosa Studios or something. <laughs> so, DM Alita says, if you were to start the show today, what would you do different? Uh, you know, the only thing I can th- but see to say that you would do something different would mean that you'd have to be able to predict the fucking future, which like you can't. And the only thing I would say was that I would have probably like tried to get you to do video style shit earlier where we would do like the, of us doing the show in the studio, because that's ultimately what became popular. But nobody fucking knew that then, anyway. Right. That's how everybody no. was going to go. Well, I mean, yeah, the thing is, a lot of the things that you would change, at that point in time, they didn't exist. Like, YouTube was in its infancy. You didn't have a way of monetization or anything. But today, like, you can look back at all of the content that we've done in the past. If you know how to... Like, from the stuff that I've been watching on YouTube, if you know how to kind of farm that stuff, I guess is a good way to say it, that shit's like yeah. a fucking gold mine, man. It really is. Like, those interviews and stuff and putting that stuff up there and monetizing it and all that. So, I mean, I don't know how we're going to do that. Um, I am trying to... A lot of our old content, I'm trying to um, find some cool stuff that people may have forgot about or whatever and put it up on there. The interviews and stuff, I don't know. Like, I don't know. But, I mean, a lot of the stuff that I'd done differently, like, there's no, you couldn't have because it didn't exist at the time. But, that's what I'm saying. Like, you'd have to look into the future. There's just no way you would have known that. Yeah, I mean, I think the way that we went about it, and because we were younger at the time, you know, 
Uncle Bill, you're you're getting to be an old man. You're going to have a birthday again here in the next little bit. <laughs> in two fucking days, yeah, I'll be 40. <laughs> so we were like 24, I think, when we started, 25, something like that. Yeah, um, exactly. So we had a lot more spunk back then, and for me... Up until just a few years ago, everything that I did, I had to put full speed ahead into it. I had to do it, you know. So we were getting interviews like crazy. I think, looking back at it, we should have paced ourselves a little bit more when it comes to that. Um, because a lot of our best interviews was in the first two or three years of us doing the show. <laughs> so yeah. we could have done that, I guess. Um, but I uh, mean, essentially, that w- weren't we doing like... We would do an interview every single time, right? Unless we had like a specialty show or something like that, but it was right. almost every time. Well, we'd have, which the, means we were probably doing thirty to forty interviews a year. Yeah, we would have. Um, I mean, we'd break it up a little bit, like have maybe convention people on, um, or we'd do a horror roundtable, you know, stuff like that. Which I think that'd be a good thing to bring back, maybe at some point too. There's a lot of personalities you could get nowadays. Yeah, that's true. That are on YouTube. I don't YouTube think I would anything differently. No, I mean I don't. Uh, no, no regrets, Uncle Bill. <laughs> no force, no repentance. Yeah, um, but yeah, I mean I guess that's we'll um, end the questions with that. And um, you got anything else you wanna you wanted to talk about on here? or? I mean, nothing I can really think of other than to say, like, I'm going to be watching a shit ton of Blu-rays that I've never seen before. So I think at some point we should probably talk about, you know, we just have a segment where we talk about some of these movies that we've never seen because I didn't realize how many movies or movies from the 80s that were out there that we've never seen, man, or at least I've never seen. Mm-hmm. And I don't you have because we've watched all the same movies for like 15 no. years well the thing is is yeah there's a lot of this stuff too a lot of these companies are running out of stuff to release so you're getting like special editions of dolly dearest and you know the shitty amityville movies on blu-ray and and stuff like that and yeah. stuff like you know we haven't seen like you mentioned spookies and uh there's just all kinds of that stuff from from back in the day that uh but for every here's the thing i've noticed though for everything like that, there's a movie that I've never seen, like Road Games, which is amazing, but also I would have no idea it didn't exist if it wasn't for these smaller independent studios like that. Right. So, But yeah, I mean, um, I guess in the weeks and, and months ahead, Halloween season's going to be upon us. Hopefully we can uh, get together and do something special for October. Um which I don't know. I mean, even if we can't, we'll we'll do something. Um, but yeah, I think the Vestron thing would be a good idea to do, yeah, some, do of the, some of the Vestron movies, which I've got four or five of them. I can't remember which ones. I think I've got The Gate, Slaughter High, Blood Diner, uh, and I ordered the you know the two new ones that's coming out. I may get uh, Maximum Overdrive as well if I can get a good deal on it. I've also got uh, the Warlock and Wishmaster collection. <laughs> you can go through every one of them, too. I love the first Wishmaster, Wish but I don't really recall the other ones being that good. They had three. Was there three of them or four? I believe so, yeah. Okay. There might have even been four of them. I'm not sure. 
there's definitely three. Yeah, there's three. I know there's at least three. There may be four. So, because I know at one point Andrew Devoff is out of the like right. he does like maybe the first two, <laughs> and then they get somebody else. Yeah. Yeah, they they the last one they have another guy. It didn't work apparently. So we never did another one. Yeah. But um yeah, so uh just stay tuned to the uh the Dead Pit Facebook. Again, we got the deadpit.com fans Facebook uh group on there as well. And man, we're on the podcast is on about everything you can think of. Like we're on Stitcher, Spotify, um, I signed up to be on the Amazon podcast thing, so I don't know if that's going to be ready yet or whatever. Tune in radio, iTunes, so you can listen to it across every platform. And I think we lost Uncle Bill again. So I just wanted to get my shill out there. Um, but thank you guys for listening, and hopefully next time we'll get a better connection. Um, I'm not really sure what's going on here. It's not my connection because I'm on a hotspot. But uh, anyway, thank you guys for tuning in. And uh, for Uncle Bill, I am the Creepy Kentuckian. And you've been listening to DeadPit.com.